Have any of you guys ever got a scam call before? Raise your hand. Is that just getting overwhelming? I feel like I have a cell phone just for people to call and sell me warranties or tell me that I have a package that I never claimed or I'm in trouble with the IRS. Or, and it's so funny. Another thing that they do, uh, and I've noticed is kind of a new modern way of scamming people, is they will get on a Facebook page. They will replicate your information and then they'll, they'll start messaging people pretending to be you. Have any of you guys ever had that happen before? Okay, that happens all the time now. And uh, I'll be honest, when that happens, I've actually gotten a number of messages from you guys. Okay, it wasn't really you guys. Somebody scammed you. They robbed your identity to do that. But then they start sending me these messages. And I know really, real fast. So they're like, hello, Mr. Tony. I just like, and I'm like, People don't even talk like that. It's like, who is this? And, you know, we're friends and you're calling me Mr. Tony and all this other stuff. So then I started asking them about their pet alligator and taking their alligator to Disney World. And like, yes, he had a great time and talking. I was like, it, it, it's so fake and it's disgusting of how these people do this. And it, it really drives me crazy. It drives me crazy because they're hijacking your identity to do something else with it. That's what they're doing. It's deceptive. It's what Satan does. I know we talked about. He, he tries to steal your identity. He tries to hijack your identity to represent something that is not truly who you are. Satan is a scammer. Let's put it like that. Satan's a scammer. We're all familiar with that. And that happens all the time around us. Jesus said in John 1.42, he goes up to Peter, and I'm not re-preaching this, I'm just for the sake of illustration or reminder of this, he goes up to you, he goes, Simon, you're now Peter. Peter's interpreted a rock. Man, I'm calling you no more. And then we start reading, Simon Peter, I know who you are, and I know what you do. This is your identity, calling you to something. There's more to you. If if you want to hear what God was saying all this, go back to the past messages in the No Filter series that we're doing. But for those years, Jesus is leading him into that. Things are going really well for Peter. You got to think all the things that are happening as they go through this. Peter gets out and walks on water. It's like, whoa, I never knew I could do that. God's calling him to more, calling him to greater. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. They go and feed the 5,000. They're feeding and says, Lord, the, the food just keeps coming. Man, they pray. See the, 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 the dead raised. They were at Lazarus. They see the compassion of Jesus. They go through all these experiences with Jesus. You know what Jesus was doing? He was forming Peter to be the rock. Man, to stand before people, to feed the sheep of God, to give out truth. Saw the potential in him, even though Peter couldn't see it, but that God begins this good work in us and God completes it to the day of redemption. He doesn't give up on us. Peter realizes that you had to start by losing. You know what he had to do? He had to drop his nets, turn and start listening and following Jesus Christ. You will never, ever get anywhere in your identity with Christ if you're still holding on to your past. When you keep living that out, you've got to let go of who you were to become what God wants you to be. Now, I'm not saying that you give up on your career. I'm not saying we're talking about spiritually speaking. But when he, Jesus was talking about spiritually speaking here, he said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. He said, man, I've got a bigger purpose for your life. I'm going to do something with you. What's so great about that, it eliminates the confusion. I know what I am. I know why I'm here. We talked about all the anxiety and things that people have. It's like, I don't know what I am. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know if my life matters. I don't know if I have value. God gives us all of these things. Things are going well for Peter. And then it takes a dark turn. 
Jesus drops a bomb on them. They're together with Jesus, and Jesus makes a statement. He says, one of you is going to betray me. It starts this dark conversation that they begin to have. They begin to question all these different things, and it started a conversation among them. It leads to Peter having an identity crisis. I mean, I'm going to do something weird in this first point. I want, I want to lead you. I want to instruct you guys how to have an identity crisis, how to fall apart. Like, I know who I am. And I, you're saying, wait, wait a minute. You're talking to Christians here. So is Peter. You're talking to people that know who they are. So is Peter. I, I'm talking about along the way, Satan doesn't give up on getting into your mind. Satan doesn't give up on tearing you down. Just because you're going to church and just because God's working in your life, Satan doesn't just come by and be like, oh, I can't get to him. He says, no, I'll just wait for a weak spot to get to him. That's what happens in our lives. So let me break this into two parts. The first point that we're going to look at is how to have an identity crisis. Pay attention because it can happen to any of us. If it can happen to the one that was created to be the rock and follow Jesus and be this foundation, it can be to us as well. Luke 22, verse 23, and they began to inquire among themselves, which of them it should do this thing? So here's the disciples. One of you is going to betray me, and the disciples start gathering around, and they're like, wait, wait a minute. Did, did he say one of us is going to betray him? And, and as they were talking and having this conversation, the, the conversation uh, began to be among these guys of like, wait a minute, I would never do that. Are you saying that I would do that? I'm not saying that, man. I'm just saying... That he just said, Jesus just said that one of us is going to betray them. And just like that, if you're going to prove your point that it's not going to be me, you're going to start talking about the good that you do in your life. Let me tell you why it wouldn't be me. I'm, I'm the dude that walked on water. I, I was with Jesus when he went to pray. I was with him too. No, I was with him longer and I prayed harder. You know, they, they begin to have this conversation. Let me prove it. And there was also strife among them. Which of them should be counted the greatest? They were followers of Jesus Christ, but I'll be honest, they were just like the rest of us. You know, so they, they start <clears throat> talking about how great they were, what they've accomplished, and what they do. Man, what, what, what was this conversation? Who's going to be the greatest? Man, it's like, I'm better than you. I've got this. This is Peter off to the side. He says, do you see how many followers I have, guys? Do you know how many people liked my picture? Do you know how many responses I got to my story? Man, I'm like, people, people respect me. People like me, man. It's, it's, it's all that self-identity that we were talking about, that, that where I, I, I get validated by what other people say about me. Man, I'm a good Christian. Why? Man, I've got a title at church. I'm, I'm a good dad. Why? Man, I, I have people say that they'd like to be like me all the time. We, we get this outside validation. But notice what's going on here. Notice what is going on with Peter in this passage before he has the meltdown. How do you have an identity crisis? Number one, all we do is reverse everything that we did. Number one, take your focus off of Christ. Do you know what blows me away about this passage? Here they're talking about who's the greatest, and they're, they're in the presence of the one that is the greatest. They're talking amongst themselves. You go back to the passage, they're talking amongst themselves. Who is the best? Who does the most? who accomplished the most, who preaches the most. All this thing about it, it's all inner self. It's I, 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 all as they're going through this. It's all about themselves. All you have to do to have a meltdown is take your focus off of the creator that validates us, the one that creates us, the one that leads us. The Bible says in Galatians 6, 3, if a man think of himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. 
You can imagine Jesus looking at them and saying, are you guys serious? You, you, you all think you're something when Jesus got done washing their feet in this passage. Proverbs 3.3 3 says, have no confidence in the flesh. These guys are listening to themselves debate who's the best. Man, this, this identity crisis that they're going to have because of this. Now, last week we studied Simon and Peter, the names of what they meant. Okay, Simon was his old name, who he was called from. Peter was the name that he was given by Jesus Christ to be the rock. He was now Simon Peter. Watch what Jesus says in verse 31. He turns to Peter and he says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Does, any, does anything jump out at you guys about that? Where's the Peter? Simon, Simon. What he was doing in that passage, he said, Simon, you're acting like the old you. Simon, you're acting like the guy that I called you not to be anymore. You're going back to your old self. And it's so easy to do that. I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And then all of a sudden, people start not liking or rejecting you or not commenting on your stuff or whatever. It's like, nobody likes me, and I'm not good enough, and I'm rejected. And it's like, it's all inner self and self-pity. If your identity is wrapped up in what other people say, your identity is weak. It's weak. And that happens all the time. We have weak Christians When you act in that way for the approval of man rather than your identity in Christ, we end up struggling with our identity. Our flesh gravitates towards our identity coming from what people think of us. Just like happening in this passage. Our value comes from what people think of us. When your self-worth is based on the opinions and feelings of others, your self-worth ends up being weak. Weak. None of it is stable. Listen, if your confidence is based on compliments, then you are unstable emotionally. If you have to get somebody applauding you, if you have to get somebody liking you, if you have to do something like that to have someone else validate you, your inner self is weak. How do you have an identity crisis? Simply just take your attention or your focus off of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you how that happens. In our lives, we get so busy, so busy that we don't have time to sit with God. We don't have time to go to church We don't have time to tune in. We don't have time to fellowship. We don't have time to pray. Man, I think that one of the problems that we struggle with in our culture today is we're probably the least praying generation. We we, we don't pray about our needs. We're we're not broken over the sin of our nation. We, we, We become weak because of this. You know what all that equals out to? It's just a lack of time with our Savior. I'll bring this full circle here in a minute. And the Lord said unto him, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you. What a powerful statement. Number number two, how do you have a spiritual breakdown? Or how do you have an emotional breakdown like this? Ignore the spiritual warfare that's happening in your life. Jesus explains this. He said, Satan has desired to have you. He's speaking straight to him. You imagine... God's saying, I've created you. He said, you can't see Acts chapter 2, Peter. You can't even see this. But God already knew what he was going to do with it. But he begins to say, along the way, Satan's already put his target on you to bring you down. You guys realize that if you decide to follow Jesus Christ and find your identity in Jesus Christ, I promise you, you will be targeted. Satan's not going to just let that happen. He, He loves to tear us down in this way. Satan has his eye on you. You are targeted 
This is why it's so important to know who you are, to be stable and standing on the rock of Jesus Christ. For him to be your validation, for him to be your identity. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as weak. This is a description. Have you ever thought what he was saying by that? It's really cool. So back when they would harvest the wheat, they would sit there and take the parts of the wheat and they would break it apart. They would sift it. They would get all the pieces off of it. So what God was telling Peter in that passage, he said, listen, Satan's going to try to pick you apart. He's going to go after you little piece by little piece. Peter doesn't just go from, yes, Lord, I'll follow you to falling on his face. It's little bit by little bit. Man, Satan knows how to get at us little bit by little bit. Satan breaks you down a little bit at a time, sift you out weak. He plans to do this. Jesus brings Peter to the garden before he's arrested. Peter falls asleep. Jesus wakes him up. Your spirit indeed is willing, but your flesh is weak. They come to arrest Jesus. Peter pulls out the sword, swings at it, cuts off the ear. Jesus has to clean up his mess, puts the ear back on. You guys, most of you guys know this story. You've seen it in Passion of the Christ and all these different things that we see. <clears throat> he failed attempt one after another, but here's what happens. They're, they now take Jesus off to be crucified, and Peter is going through a storm in his life. Remember when Jesus said, I must suffer these things, and Peter rebuked Jesus and said, you cannot die. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. I have to die. Peter began to get his focus off, and Satan began to come in to pick him apart piece by piece. So I've got this orange. Do you, do you guys know that on the outside, I could decorate this, I could paint this, I could put it, whatever filter you could imagine to make this appear to be something else. But I can tell you, I know exactly what this is made up. You know how? All I have to do is put some pressure on it. The more pressure that I put on this, the more I know what it's made up on the inside. You guys understand that all of us, you can put up a facade all day long and say, man, I go to church. Well, that's great. Praise God for that. Man, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. I've lived my whole life going to church. But the question is, who are you on the inside? Because you can talk about that all day long. I want to know what you are made up on the inside. Because I promise you, when the pressure comes, what's on the inside is going to show on the outside. If you are weak in your identity, and your identity is not based with a relationship with Jesus Christ, but based on titles and positions and compliments, and I grew up in church, and I know good things, and I can quote the books of the Bible, that's weak. It's not a relationship with God. It's in your deeds that you're making it. And then all of a sudden, Satan comes along, and life is full of pressure. You remember we were talking about the sand in the rock? About Jesus said, building your life upon the rock or building your life upon the sand. What is the sand? It shifts and it folds, and it, it just, it's unstable. But Jesus Christ said, build your house upon the rock. Do you know what that passage talks about both of them having in common? Storms are going to come. When the storm came and the wind blew, when the pressure came on, some of them will fall apart and some of them will not because it depends on what they have in their mind and in their psyche and what they're made up on the inside of who they truly are. You have to have this made up. Peter's in this position trying to argue who's going to be the greatest. It's bad. Pressures are part of life. Here's the next thing Satan does. Satan waits for a moment of weakness. He's going to wait for a moment of weakness. You know what he does? He separates Peter from the rest of them. Peter does this thing. They take Jesus off and Peter runs to warm his hands by the fire. He's going to wait for your moment of weakness. You know why it's important that you're in fellowship with other believers? Because there's strength in the fellowship of other believers. You know why it's important that you're walking with God on a daily basis? There's strength walking with God. 
But guards started to get away from that. It's like watching National Geographic where that one animal strays off to the side and then the animals or the herd of lions or whatever goes after them. The pride of lions go after them. Why is that? He waits for that moment of weakness. Here's the third thing. John 18, 25. Let's continue this story as we go through this. Inside Peter stood and he warmed himself. He said, therefore unto him, art thou also one of the disciples? And he denied it and said, I am not one of his servants of the high priest, being his kinsman, whose ear Peter had cut off. I mean, it's kind of awkward. Saith unto him, did not I see thee in the garden with him? Peter then denied it, and immediately the cock crew. How does Satan work? Here's the third thing. Satan will use people to get to you. Isn't it interesting how the pressure comes on Peter and what Satan is using is three times, three different people to nitpick into his mind, to get into his head? Satan does this all the time. We, we, we deal with this all the time. Different people ask Peter. Could have been just one person, but it wasn't. It's was different people picking on him, different people saying things. Man, he'll do that. I, I, and I know I'm using social media, but I feel like social media is a big thing about this. People will make a comment. People won't make a, uh, a, a like on your picture. They'll, they'll, they'll say something negative or whatever. You begin to fall apart. Why is that? Satan will use people and the opinions of other people to try to get to you. Happens all the time. You don't believe me? Go to a family reunion. Watch what happens. Satan will get to you by the opinions of other people. Man, you can even get in a group of Christians. People will use people to get to you. Get in family activities and things like that. He loves to throw those things at you. Are you really with that, Jesus? No, I'm not. Got in his head, man, I don't know. And I'm not strong enough to deal with this. Peter was called to be the rock, but right now he's more like melting like butter. He's falling apart. He's not strong in the way he should be. Satan will use people. The Bible said the Lord in Luke 22, going back, and the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. Peter remembered the word of the Lord and how he had said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Let me put it like this. Peter went out and fell apart. Big failure. I was called to be the rock. It's called me strong. And I had such a great time following Jesus and going to church and being that believer and being that dad or being that mom. I, I had my life together. And then we just begin to drift. We stop listening to the God. We allow Satan to pick at us. We allow different influences into our lives. And then he fell apart. I, don't, I can't get into all the details of it, but the Bible uses these words. He went out and wept bitterly. I, I, the, the description of that is literally he was sobbing so hard that he couldn't get his, his breath. It was, it was an, the, the mindset of literally the emotional distraught. Have you ever done something that you thought you would never, ever do? He looked back and say, I know better than that. Man, I walk with Jesus. He warned me of that. But then we just, we have this mindset like, I'm, I'm just done. I'm just done. You know why, Peter, in this next thing, you, you want to know how to have an identity crisis? Take your eyes off of Jesus Christ. Ignore the spiritual battle. Number three is just run. Just run. P Peter's with these guys, and he was so upset because he's no longer that rock. He's no longer living out that purpose. He's falling apart. He's embarrassed. Failure is embarrassing. We have to tell people that you're going through a divorce. It's embarrassing. 
When you tell people that you're losing the house because you lost your job, it's embarrassing. Man, when, when, you're, when you have to go before your kids and explain to them why mom and dad are fighting all the time, it's embarrassing. Failure is embarrassing, but I'll tell you what it does. It messes with our heads. I'm not good enough anymore. I'm definitely not the man you thought that I was. He carries this out. This is what happens. He ends up having this fear in his mind. When, when I was a youth pastor, I, uh, I would go skiing with the teens. Now, I know skiing is old school. But you, it's stable, dude. I'm telling you, you, you have two feet on the ground. You have the sticks in your hand. I look like an old man, but I could make it from the top of the hill to the bottom of the hill. And that was success for me, okay? Teens came to me and said, Pastor Tony, when we get to the, the thing, I, I, I bet you couldn't do a, a snowboard. And I'm like, I bet I could. I'm like, well, no, most of the time, old people don't do snowboards. And I'm like, that, that's the key words. I'm like, okay, I'm definitely doing a snowboard. Well, I'll tell you what, I killed it, guys. I'm just being honest. I got on it at the top of the hill, and I picked up so much speed, I was flying past everybody. There was a problem. I didn't know how to stop. Because it's not like you just take your skis and you twist and all this other stuff. Your feet are mounted to this board. And I'm like, I have no sticks to stop anything. You know, I'm doing the young cool thing, you know, with the teenagers, whatever. And I remember I, I was getting to the bottom of the hill and I couldn't figure out what to do. And I got unstable and I just turned and I hit the ground so hard. I, I, I shoved snow up my nose and my ears and my, my face. It hurts so bad. And when you're cold outside and you hit the snow like that, and it's hard. Like, I mean, I was so mad. I got up and I took that snowboard. I walked in there and said, I don't want this stupid thing anymore. I didn't, I didn't want to ski anymore. I just sat up there and I sulked. I got hot chocolate and sat there and complained the whole time about how mad I was. I was done. This is stupid. People would come up and say, did you try the snowboarding? No, it's stupid. No, I'm not doing this stupid snowboard. I was so mad. You know, you think when you fail at something, you know what you want to do? You just want to get it out of your life. I want nothing to do with it. I'm done with it. All it does is make me mad. You know what Peter does? Hey, Peter, man, we're called to represent Jesus. He said, guys, I'm done with that. I'm done. Here he is. And Simon Peter in verse 3 <clears throat> saith unto them, I'll go fishing. He goes, I'll go back to what I'm good at. I'll just go back to the old me. Remember when Jesus said, Simon, Simon, you're acting like the old me? He said, man, I'll just go back to the old me. I go fishing. And they say, and then we go with the also. Do you know why this is so dangerous like this? You, you know what's happening in this? You say, why did the other disciples go with him? Because Peter was created to be a leader. You don't believe me? Turn to Acts chapter 2 and just read the passage. Peter was created by God to be a leader. Satan loves it when you start running in the other direction from what God has you to be. He loves it. Satan's running the other, and they went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. Nothing. Literally left him empty. Why? I'll tell you this, because God was doing this. It wasn't what he was called to do. Try living the old life. Try going back. Man, you walk out of church because you failed or you messed up and you go back to the old you and you're like, man, I'll just party it up again. Let me tell you, when Christians go back to the old life, it will be the most unfulfilling thing you've ever done in your life. Empty. So empty. 
And I'm not talking that fishing was bad. I'm not talking about that. But I'll tell you, the, per, the place that you find fulfillment is living what God created you to be. Living what God created you to do. You start living that out in your life. When the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? And they answered him, No. I don't believe that would have just been no, okay? Fishing all night. Peter's a fisherman. He can't catch a minnow. I mean, literally. This dude can't do anything. Uh, guys, let's go to the other side. Let's go front. Let's go back. Guys, let's go to that one spot that we used to catch fish all the time. Like, Peter, we've caught not one fish all night. Now, I don't know how it was, but I know Jesus was on the, on the shoreline, and I know Jesus was orchestrating all of this. You can imagine the Creator made flesh, Jesus Christ, standing there, and Peter throws the net on this side, and Jesus just sits there and goes like to the fish, like, over here, over here. You know, it's like, fish, I'll come over here. And then Jesus is like, all right, boys, on this side, on this side. You'll have your turn, not yet, not yet. And he's just moving them all over, all over the place. Why? What was Jesus saying? Without me, you can do nothing. Peter, I'm not going to let you just run the other direction. I'm not going to let you live that empty life. That's not who you were created to be. Then Jesus saith to the children, have you any meat? No, we don't. Are you kidding me? I can't do anything right. Watching them struggle on the side of the, uh, the shores, just staying there, watching them frustrated doing this. This is the best part. It's not how to fall apart, because I tell you, we're all, we'll all do it. Pressure's going to come to every single one of our lives, and it's going to be like, what are you truly made of? When your kid comes up and says, I don't want to be in church anymore. Man, when you're involved in the ministry, and all of a sudden, you don't feel useful anymore. When pressure comes on your life, you find out what you're truly made out of, because what's on the inside shows on the outside. That's what happened to Peter. He fell apart because he was weak on the inside. He was still relying on who he was rather than his identity in Jesus Christ. But can I just wrap this up with how Jesus restores our identity? Do you know why God showed up on the shoreline that day? To remind Peter, yes, you're having an identity crisis, but I am not done with you. We all fall down, and God is always there to pick us up. You say, why is that? Because he loves us. Because God loves us. You hold great value to God. Now, they had no clue that this was Jesus. They had no clue that this was Jesus. So Jesus comes on the shoreline and just says, hey, guys, it was, it was, Jesus already knew the answer. It's like, how is that fishing thing working out for you? I think God does that in our lives. When you're running from God, you get out of church. You run away. You were created for ministry. You were created to sing. You were created to teach. You were created to lead. You were created to make disciples, and you're, what are you doing? I'm not doing anything right now. Why? Where are you at? You were called for this. And Jesus, in the loving kindness that he has, walks up to you and says, so how's that working out for you? Have you any meat? God, no, it's, our nets are empty. You know why? Because fulfillment comes from your purpose. Your purpose comes from your identity. It was robbed of that. Jesus saith unto them, cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. And they cast it therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Can I ask you guys why Jesus did that? And I know what you're going to say. I know what everybody says for that. God was proving to them that when you listen to Jesus, that everything comes true, or everything comes the way that he said it would be. That is very true. 
It's very true. But it's awesome. I was, I was digging through my garage this past week, and I'm, I've been deep cleaning my garage and spring cleaning and getting organized and things like that, and I found this crate that I would not taken down or looked at in a long time. Inside the crate was um, a, tool be- a tool pouch that I had when I worked with a teenager working construction. Still had some of my tools inside of it. I picked it up, and I'm holding it, and it brought back all these memories back to my mind. And I mean, I remember working, and I mean, isn't it funny? In that moment, I had this flood of memories that came back to my mind in that moment. It was really cool. God does a lot of things that bring us back to remember things. Let me prove it. When we have communion time, he said, do this as often as you do this. Do it in remembrance of me. Let me remind you, let me take your mind back to that place where Jesus died on the cross. Let me remind you that you're forgiven. You know what Jesus was doing to Peter in this passage? He was reminding him of who he was. The grace of God so subtle and so sweet of Jesus being this. Let me give you a flashback. In Luke chapter 5 verse 4, we talked about the different ways and the different things that Jesus did when he was calling Peter. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, he wasn't Peter yet, launch out into the deep and let down the nets for the drought. And Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night. We have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. It's not the same story. You see, what Jesus was doing with Peter is he was giving a flashback to remind him of who he was. Remember, Peter, when I called you? Remember, Christian, when you got under conviction? Remember when you fell at that altar, you prayed at that seat? Remember when you realized that you were lost without Jesus Christ? Remember? Do you remember who you are? Remember when I pulled you out of being Simon and I brought you being Peter? Remember I told you to let go of who you were because I want to give you something better? And for those Christians that gravitate right back to that, God graciously and lovingly as his heavenly father pulls us back and says, can I just remind you of who you are? Can I remind you where fulfillment in your life comes from? Not in just going through the motions of doing what you used to do, but you find your identity in listening to Jesus Christ, listening to what he says. John 21, verse 7, Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked. That literally means he didn't have his outer coat on. It doesn't mean he was naked. And he did cast himself in the sea. This is so funny because they were only about 100 yards. The Bible literally says that from shore. Peter was so excited that God was calling or God intervened in his life that Peter ran and he threw himself. This wasn't like an Olympic dive, okay? There was no grace involved in this dive. He just throws himself overboard and swims to shore. Now I want to show you what God does when he gets to shore. Let me show you how God restores our broken identity. When we are called to be something, we end up running back to the world. Listen to this. John 21, verse 8. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, as it were 200 cubits, dragging the nets of fishes. And as soon as they were come to the land, they saw the fire of coals, and the fish laid thereon in bread. And Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have caught now. And Simon Peter went and drew the net which were uh, to the land full of great fishes in 150 and 3. I don't know why 153, but the Bible is very specific about that. For all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, come and dine. 
Notice how Jesus restores identity. There's three things that Jesus does. This is so powerful. Number one, Jesus calls them back into fellowship with him. Now, you can imagine all the things that we do in life. Man, you're a teacher. Man, I'm a preacher. Man, you're a singer. Man, I'm an evangelist. I do this. I do that. I'm, I'm part of the go teams and all this. But you know where the restoration of his identity started with was simply this. And I love this. Here's Jesus sitting there, calm, cool, collective, just gathered him, making food. Wouldn't it be cool to eat breakfast that Jesus made? I, 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 I mean, would you complain about it and say, this is kind of dry? I mean, nobody, nobody would complain about the cooking, whatever. It's like Jesus made them breakfast. And they're sitting there, and Jesus does this. Think about how powerful this is. This is where it all starts. This is where the communication, this is, Jesus brings it right back to how it started. Come and sit. You want to know why a lot of us are living in a broken identity? Because we've not learned to sit in fellowship with God. Because it's sitting and fellowshipping with God that we learn who we truly are. It's listening to the creator that we're able to push off all the lies, all the rejection, all the things that we believe. It's just fellowship. Do you know how often the Bible talks about fellowship with God? In Revelation, he talks about, I will come into him and sit with him and sup with him. The Bible talks about the Old Testament when they sit there and they had the table of showbread and they would sit and they would just have to eat it in the presence of God. You know what it is? Is God greatly desires for you to take time and just listen and be with him. Just come. His instructions, his opening instructions were not, Peter, you rejected me. Peter, you're a loser. Peter, you failed me. It was like, Peter, just come and sit. You know why it's so important for us as Christians to take time to do what we're doing right now? Just, just come and sit. Man, listen to the words of our Savior. Listen, be in fellowship. Be able to connect like this. It's not in serving. It's not in giving. It's not in what we do. It's not what we're, our titles that we have. It's, it's in fellowship with God that we find our true selves from our Creator. Come and dine. And then Jesus confronts the problem. There's three things that happened in this passage that brought his mind. I don't know when Peter actually got this right, but I tell you this. God doesn't ignore our sin. God doesn't ignore sin. And when we have problems in our life, it's amazing how God lovingly will confront the things that we've done wrong. Three things that happen in this passage that is so cool that he does. It says in, in verse, um, John 21, verse 9, as soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals and fish laid there and, and bread. That fire of coals, the word coals there is only mentioned two times in the Bible. That, that tense of that Greek word is only found two times in the entire Bible. Can you guess which two? Right here in this passage, and the other time, it says, And Peter warmed his hands by the coals when they came up to him to ask him if he knew Jesus, and Jesus denied him. That remembrance, that smell, he comes right back to him, and Peter's sitting there in that moment, smelling that sm same smell, being in that, uh, in that atmosphere, in that environment, in that spot right there, right there, being reminded of what he did. Do you know when Jesus called out to him? He didn't wait in the middle of the night. He waited to the morning. Do you know what sound you normally hear in the morning that gets cried out, especially in their culture? Roosters. Can you imagine every day of your life waking up, hearing the roosters saying, shut up, I already know, okay? Why do you have to do that? Peter wakes up that day hearing the call of his Savior coming back into fellowship with him. 
Jesus sits him down. You know when he says to him? Three times, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Do you know how many times Peter rejected or denied Jesus Christ? Three times. You know what he was doing? The grace of God, God doesn't let us just sit and ignore our problems. He said, if you're going to get over it, you've got to confront it. If you're going to get past this, you've got to confront it. A lot of times we want to move on from our lives and get to the identity that he has, but the blood of Jesus Christ doesn't work that way. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He confronts the problem. He confronts the thing that he had. And then so when he had dined, Jesus said unto Simon Peter, son of Jonas, lovest me more than these. Here's the third thing he does is he restores us back to our purpose. He restores us back to what we were made to do. Now this whole passage, he asked him these three times. And he said unto him a second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And he saith unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, feed my sheep. He saith unto him a third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou, uh, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him a third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. He said, I need you to do something. He said, I need you to get over who you are because if you notice the passage as he's calling him Simon, Simon, Simon over and over again, he said, Peter, I know where you're at right now. I know that you've run. I know that you failed. I know that you messed up. But he said, I have a mission for you. You want to see the mission? Turn to Acts chapter 2 when Peter boldly stands up there, not fearful, not timid. He boldly stands up there and he said, let me tell you, Jesus Christ died and he rose again and he loves you and he'll save you. He wasn't timid. He wasn't worried about the opinions of others. He wasn't validated by what people thought. He was speaking in a place that they would probably wanted to kill him. And Jesus calls him to more. Do you know what is so powerful about that thing? You talk about who we were called to reach. And I'm telling every person here, I'm not just talking about the Peters. I'm talking Fellowship Baptist Church. I'm talking to every person in this room right now. There's people in this world that are so lost. Isn't it ironic that he says, all we like sheep have gone astray? Sheep are lost. They have to be, have a shepherd. They have to have people lead them in their life. And we sit there in the world today and say, man, why are people so lost and doing dumb things? Why, why, why? We're in the middle of Pride Month right now and we have all these different opinions and screaming and people talking about their identity and everything happening around us right now. You say, man, I don't know why people are like that. All we like sheep have gone astray. Said, I need somebody to step into their life and give them truth. Maybe let's word it like this. I need somebody to step in their life and feed them truth. Give it to them. Peter, I need you to be the rock. I need you to go feed my sheep. But you know when it has to start, it has to go right back to where we started this four weeks ago. If any man would come after me, he's got to deny himself take up his cross and follow me. If you're going to live with that title failure for the rest of your life, you're going to let something else define you rather than God. You have to put it at the cross. You have to deal with it and move on. I love how Jesus comes out of the tomb, declares the victory. The empty tomb proved that Jesus Christ conquered our failures. So they run to the tomb, they look for the empty tomb. They, they find that the stone was rolled away and there's two angels inside of it. And the angels are speaking out at the end of Mark chapter 16. 
And this is the message that he said to them as he looks out of the tomb. He says, but go your way and tell the disciples and Peter. Have you ever thought why he words it like that? Let me read again. But go your way, tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There you shall you see him as he said unto you. You know the whole thing that he was doing in that passage? He said, go tell the rock that he's forgiven. Go tell the rock that I conquered his past. Go tell the rock that greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. We should not be defined by our failures. Do you realize that God's called us to more? God called us to do great things. And I'm telling you, I don't know when God's coming back, but I can tell you we're here for a reason. God's created you, designed you, called you to something great. But if we're going to live in the past identity, we're going to live in the identity of what the world gives us, we're going to be robbed of everything that God has for us. And all those that are walking this world that are sheep will never have anybody to stand up and give them the truth.